Today, as you all know, we celebrate mothers. And on this Mother's Day, I thought to go with the lectionary text and uh, preach from a story in the Bible about a woman who is not particularly mentioned as a mother, but she has some characteristics that most mothers would be able to identify with. The text coming from the book of Acts, the ninth chapter and the 36th through the 42nd verses reads as follows. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in the Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she felt sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Now since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. The Bible tells us many stories of miracles that were performed on many, many people. But the story of Tabitha, or Dorcas, with the background that we have, has much to instruct us about the way God wants us to live our life of faith as followers of Jesus Christ. So today, I want to speak about three qualities of being a follower of Jesus Christ from this text and how those qualities can help us to live what I have chosen to title this sermon, The Resurrected Life. Now, before we get too far into the story, uh, the very first thing that I must bring to your attention is the fact that Dr. Luke, who wrote this, uh, the book of Acts, lets us know a few very important things about this woman. First, she is described as a disciple. Now, this is very unusual because the Bible very often is silent about calling women disciples. If you know anything about the scriptures and if you read it, whenever you see disciples in the Bible, you often always associate it with the twelve or with men that Jesus was walking with and talking with and sending out. So this is a most unusual thing that Dr. Luke does now in the text by calling this woman Tabitha. As a matter of fact, we in the church today, we, we, we take great issues with women being given roles of authority and responsibility. Why? Because we think that they are less than men in some ways. But I must remind you that God's ways are not our ways and neither are his thoughts our thoughts. And lest you forget, it was a woman that brought Christ into the world and that was the first word. And so women have proven themselves to be disciples while they may be in the background, while they may be silent, it doesn't mean that their value is any less important than those who are up front. As a matter of fact, many people look at 
preachers like myself, and they say how wonderful we are and how great we are as preachers and how wonderful we make the church and we are the face of the ministry. But what you don't see is the woman behind the preacher who is making sure that things move in the way that it ought to move. So we don't ever want to diminish the value of women and mothers in our midst. So Luke is making it quite clear without hesitation at that this woman, this woman, before her name is even mentioned, before her name is even mentioned, he's letting you know that she is a disciple of Jesus Christ and she must be respected in that regard. The second thing that Luke tells us in this text is that her name is Tabitha which is translated in the Greek Dorcas. Now I thought about that and I said, of all the things that is important in the story that we will get to in a moment, why is it important for Luke to include that in the text? Why is it important for, us to t for him to tell us that this woman whose name is Tabitha is now translated into the Greek Dorcas? So we had to do what? Look it up. Because you know that many people time, sometimes when their names are given in the Bible, it's an indication of their character. So this woman, her name actually means gazelle or deer, which would indicate to this woman, to us, that this woman, this disciple of Jesus Christ, this godly person, is who she, 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 she's an exemplary of grace, beauty, and swiftness at a time of need. She moves like a gazelle. She is graceful. She is beautiful, but she is swift to do the work of the Lord. Look carefully at what the text says. It says, this woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. So this disciple, this woman, she is full of grace, beauty, and she is swift in doing the work of the Lord. She's not hesitating. She's not struggling. She's not trying to figure out what she should do next. She makes herself ready as a beautiful, graceful gazelle. Now, how do I know this to be true, Pastor? You're stretching the text a little bit. Well, we can only look at the examples of how gazelles and deers are used in the scriptures. Look, for example, in the book of Proverbs, the fifth chapter and the 19th verse. It says, a husband is encouraged to adore his own wife, a loving deer and graceful doe. In the book of Song of Solomon, the second chapter and the eighth verse, the Shulamite woman was enthralled at the appearance of her beloved and said, my beloved is like a gazelle. Finally, as a symbol of swiftness and speed, in 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter and the eighth verse, King David had a band of men that joined themselves around him who were, among other things, as swift as gazelles on the mountains. So what I'm trying to tell you is that Luke wants to make sure that we understand something about this disciple. Something about this woman, that she is full of grace, beauty, and moves with swiftness. Now, so as far as we're able to tell, this gracefulness becomes the very first thing that I want us to understand and to appreciate as you think about being a follower of Jesus Christ. As a follower of Christ, if you are here in this room and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to be filled with grace. Now, I like these references to this disciple Dorcas, grace, beauty, and swiftness, because much of these characteristics, and hear me clearly, are lost today on people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. If you ask the average person on the street, you know, what they really think about the saints of God, grace, beauty, swiftness, all of these things will not be mentioned in their description of the saints. 
In fact, if, they, if you want to know, they'll tell you that church people are some of the meanest, most aggressive, and inconsiderate people that you could ever come across. Whatever happened to grace, beauty, and swiftness when talking about the saints of God? Now, you know what I'm talking about because your silence is deafening. Many of us, you know, the moment someone asks you to do something, it's met with resistance. But not only resistance that says no, resistance that is unkind. I've always maintained that while you may have a reason to be angry at people, saints of God, while you may have a reason to be frustrated with people, while you may have sometimes a reason to be upset from time to time, there is never a reason to be unkind. No matter what it is you're going through or what your experience is, there's never, ever a reason to be mean and unkind. I don't have to agree with you on everything. I don't have to believe everything you tell me, but I do have to treat you with respect, and I don't need to be mean and unkind about it. And so many of us, we need to be very clear that the Bible lets us know that how you treat those of the household of faith will be an indication to whether or not you are truly, truly disciples of mine. And let me tell you something, church, and if you don't know this about me already, you, you'll know it now. I pay close attention to how you talk to each other. Because I've gone on record as saying what? We are what? The most And hospitality doesn't mean no. Hospitality doesn't mean move over. Hospitality doesn't mean go over there. Hospitality means that you give a little bit of yourself, whether you are comfortable or not. I told the, the team from Guatemala, be kind, be awkward, but also recognize that you are ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever you go. And people will come to faith simply by how you treat other people. And so I'm telling you, the first thing as followers of Jesus Christ is you must exercise grace. How you talk and the tone of your voice matters, even as I'm yelling right now. Because these things anger me. Call you yourselves godly people, and we can't, and we have a hard time being kind. So the story tells us that this gentle, this beautiful, this, this, this dutiful disciple of Jesus Christ she got sick and she died. The text does not tell us the cause of her illness, but from what we can gather, it was untimely and it was unwelcome. And the emotion that the text evokes is that she was so beloved in her community that there was a desperation and a devastation that came with this sudden loss. Now, now, now I want to tell you that I've heard a lot of preachers preach from this text. And I've read some sermons and messages from this text. But I really believe that the salient thing that many people miss when they're preaching about this text, which thanks be to the Holy Spirit that I'm able to see, is that this text is kind of talking about something that many of us struggle with. Here's what I mean. Sometimes when we see things happen to people that we don't think should happen to them, we actually start to blame God. Why would God take a good person? This was a good woman. She was, it wasn't her time. And all around we see really bad things happening to really good people. And the questions we ask is, why would a good God allow such a thing to happen to this person or to this loved one? That's the question we often ask God. Where is God? 
especially on a day like today when we celebrate mothers. I'm sensitive to the fact that this also brings back heartbreaking memories of those whose mothers are no longer around. Many of you may be struggling with the fact that my mom was a good woman. Why did God take her now? Or whatever the ailment is, it's dealing with sudden unexpected loss. That's what the text is bringing also to our attention. And, and this is what the people were wrestling with as they think about Dorcas. A good person who in their minds should not have been taken. Now in the midst of all of this grief, someone remembered that the apostle was in a town called Joppa, not so far away. In fact, he was only 10 miles away. So the text tells us that the disciples now sent two persons to go get Peter. And so, if nothing else, Peter should be able to help them because he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this is where I take issues in the text. And you all know I really always fight with the text. Surely, surely, these two men, when they ran to Joppa to find Peter, surely they would have said to Peter, Peter, you need to come because Dorcas, who everybody loves, has died. Now, if I'm thinking like Peter, I would say to myself, so what you calling me for? Is she dead? She dead. What do you want me to do about it? And so I can see Peter, knowing the character of Peter, him wrestling with, why are you all coming to get me? And telling me to hurry. Hurry for someone who's already dead? But the text lets us know, it gives us a clue. Remember what it says in the text. Look carefully what it says in the text. It says they, they, they sent two men to him, doing what? Imploring him. That lets us know that they are saying to Peter, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come. And look, do not delay in coming to us. So there's an expectation that if Peter hurried, the body would still be warm enough for him to raise her from the dead. Now, now, this brings us to the second real quality of discipleship or being followers of Jesus Christ. The first I told you was grace. The second thing is availability. In the story, Peter was available and God used him mightily. Stay with me, church. Peter came right away, the text tells us. And when he entered into the room where they had laid her, the weeping widows, they all surrounded Peter, crying and, and weeping and bawling. Now, as I stated before, if Peter was anything like me, he would, I would be like, why on earth these Negroes got me coming to see a dead person? And rushing me at that, telling me to come urgently. Why on earth? Well, because she's dead. But here's the rub. Here's the rub. Sometimes we prejudge situations. And because we lean on what we think we know, we don't put ourselves in a position to see the work of God. You see, Peter made himself available even though it did not make sense to him. And even though he went, he had no idea what God had in store. And so sometimes when you make yourself available to, to what doesn't sometimes make any sense, you are in the perfect position for God to do the miraculous. 
Whenever you make yourselves available to a holy God, then you are ready to witness God's manifest power. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter what kind of skills or abilities you may have. Listen, you may be the greatest at whatever it is that you're great at. You may be the goodest at whatever it is that you're good at. Now, I made up that word. But I want you to understand something. With all the gifts and all the talents and all the graces and all the things that God has given to you, you may be an awesome prayer. You may be an awesome at reading scripture. You may be awesome at blessing people. If you are unavailable, then you might as well not have the gift at all. What I'm trying to tell you is that we miss the great things that God is doing simply because we lack availability. Now, 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 now listen, availability, and what I mean by it, and I want to be clear, means placing oneself totally, absolutely, completely at God's disposal for him to do anything and everything he wants to do in us, through us, with us, for us, whenever he chooses. There's a difference here in church, because lest you think that I'm talking about me, I'm not talking about being available to the pastor. I'm talking about being available to God. To God. Because sometimes you can have pastors in the pulpit that you are more available to than you need to be. I don't know who I'm talking to. But you need to understand every time I stand in this pulpit, I am accountable for every idle word. And what I'm telling you is not to be available to me or the church. I'm talking about being available to God. Now God will use you in his church for whatever it is that God wants you to do we're all crying around many of us why God can't bless me why God can't do you're unavailable God wants you in a position at the right time for certain things and even if it doesn't make sense you are ready and in the right place to receive the manifest power of a holy God beloved I'm not trying to make you feel bad but let's be honest Many of us here are probably doing our moms a favor by being in church on this day. Now, now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, but not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just simply saying that if you think that you can be there for God when it's convenient for you, then you are completely mistaken about the God that we serve. Listen, if anybody's been around this church long enough, you know that my wife and I, we make ourselves available to any family that's going through difficulties or challenges. Anyone who's having a struggle or, a re or some sort of issue in their life, we make ourselves available. We stop, and oh, by the way, many of you in this church make yourself available to someone the moment you find out that they're having some kind of struggle, some kind of difficulty, or some kind of challenge, right? Now here's where the rubber again meets the road. And I'm still talking about availability. If we all enjoy when the church is there for us, when we're going through our struggles, when your struggle is no more and you don't think you need to be here, someone else who is struggling could use your availability. Someone else could use the very thing that you have come to depend on. So what I'm telling you is that don't be so caught up in what you're not getting that you miss the opportunity for you to be a blessing to God's people. I'm not telling you anything that ain't the truth. You enjoy 
when others are there for you. Now let others enjoy when you are there for them. <laughs> the third thing and the final thing that I want to talk about when you say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and I hope this is getting through to you. The third thing that I want you to understand, and let me just say one more thing about availability. I, um, my, 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 my wife, and, and many of you can tell, I'm a real stickler for time. Y'all should know that. I mean, I, 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 it, it, to me personally, being late sends a total different message. You may mean well, but when you're late, you're saying, I disrespect you on a certain level. You may not think you're saying that, but I am telling you, you are saying that I disrespect you. I, I, I don't respect you enough to be on time and available. And so many of us, sometimes we miss out on opportunities. You, you, you know, I, I, well, I don't want to belabor it. You, I think you get the message. What I'm telling you is that you're not on time for me. You're not on time for anything else, but you are to be on time for God. Because if your jobs and, your, and your, your place of employment require you to do certain things, then you make sure you are there. Why? Because you have a respect on a certain level that is higher than the respect that you have for the God you serve. The God who pays attention to your very needs. The God who's there when no one else can be. The God who sees you through your sleepless nights. The God who is a very present help in time of need. You don't respect God the way that you say you do. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad, church. I'm telling you the truth. And somebody... Somewhere needs to hear it. How is it that you want so much from God and refuse to give him the very little bit he asked for, which is your Amen. worship? Amen. I am more afraid of God than I am of you. So I got to preach what he tells me to preach. The third and final thing by being a follower of Christ is that, is, 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 and, I, and I'll show it to you, it's discernment. Here's what the text says. Now remember, Peter now came. And remember what I said. Peter did what? Peter was like, why are these people calling me and this woman is already dead? So Peter comes. And here's what the text tells us. Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all their tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he knelt and prayed. <laughs> this third quality is discernment. Here is what I want you to see, saints of God. The text tells us again, when Peter got there, he was met with the widows who were all weeping and crying. But what they did was very interesting by showing him the things that Dorcas had what? Made. They showed him the tunics and the garments. They showed him all these things and they were crying. In other words, look at what Dorcas had done for us. She's not going to be able to do it anymore. Were they sad because Dorcas was no longer around to make the things that they wanted? Or were they, or were they sad because Dorcas, the person, was no longer alive? You see, church, I want you to see the psychology here. The widows are weeping. Not because this wonderful, graceful, beautiful woman of God passed away. 
They were weeping because this woman was no longer available to give them what they want. Don't miss the spiritual significance here in the text. Sometimes, sometimes people only care about you as long as you're able to do the things that they want you to do. To the extent, to the extent that, you, that they have what you need. This is the tragedy in the text. The widows don't care about this graceful, gentle, beautiful Dorcas, the person. They care about the dutiful, diligent, productive Dorcas, the worker. Now listen, I'm not saying you can't appreciate what she does. But brothers and sisters, if she's not able to do what you want her to do, can you still love her? Can you still love people if they can't do for you the things that you want? Can you still care? And I'm telling you that these widows were crying for a total different reason. And this is what Peter discerned. And when Peter discerned it, he says, y'all need to leave. Because sometimes when you're getting ready for the move of God, sometimes when you're getting ready to see a great thing that God's getting ready to do, you can't have everybody around you. Sometimes you got to say, you got to go. You're killing my spirit. You're hurting me right now. God's about to do something, and I need you to go. Peter, discern their attitudes. Listen, listen. I am a very, and y'all know this, I am a very high-spirited person. I know from whence my help comes. And when I walk out of that room after praying in that room and I come out into this meeting to here, I look around and I see who's here. And I say, all right, Lord, we're going to work with what you got. But when they start singing, we come to worship and praise the Lord. I take off whatever it is, issues that I have. I'm looking at the congregation. And if you're not singing, if you're not jumping, then I'm going to shift to the one who is. Because there are some people that I just cannot take with me. I am always looking for God to do a great thing in this church. But I'm telling you, we are not as far away as we could be because some of us are holding us back. Huh. I am reminded, I am reminded of when Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. Jesus got there late because what? The woman touched the hem of his garment and delayed Jesus. And then someone came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you don't need to come anymore because Jairus' daughter is dead. Jesus says, I'm on my way. He says, Jesus, you don't need to go. She dead. You don't even know who I am. They said, Jesus, she dead. She dead. She dead. When Jesus got there, Jesus said, oh, they said, Jesus, she dead. All of the people weeping and crying, the widows, she dead, Jesus. Jesus turns around and Jesus says, and that's why I love the master. Jesus says, she's only sleeping. And they started to do what? Read the text. They started to laugh him to scorn. <laughs> and Jesus says, oh, you're laughing? Get out. All of you, out, out, out. And the Bible tells me that Jesus goes into the room with Peter, James, and John, and the parents. You see, sometimes when you're going into a miraculous situation, you only got to take 
what you need. You want to know why Jesus took Peter, James, and John? Well, well, if you want to know, say, tell me, Pastor. I can't hear you. Say, tell me, Pastor. Jesus took Peter, James, and John into the room to heal this dead girl. James represents faith. Peter represents hope. And John represents love. So when you're going into a difficult situation, you take faith. You take hope. You take love. And you watch what God does. When you're going on a mission for God, take with you faith. Take with you hope. Take with you love. And if you go with the right spirit and the right attitude and you are available, watch God work. Peter, Peter remembered that moment. And so Peter pushed everyone out of the room. Peter pushed everyone and says, y'all got to go with your weeping self over these tunics and these cloths. You think this woman, that's all she was worth? She was worth far more than the things she did. Listen, listen. You are not who you are because of what you do. You do what you do because of who you are. It should flow out of you. Many people in the church, many people in the church, they want you to know how good they are at doing these things, that the best way they can do it is you're going to see how wonderful they are. Listen, if you are the best plant waterer in the world, if you do it with a stinky attitude, I'd rather the plant die. How you do something says something about you because it's flowing out of you. The Bible says it's out of the, out of the abundance of the heart flows the issues of life. So, if you come to church and it's like you think you're doing the pastor a favor, stay home. If you come to church because you think you want someone else to recognize you, stay home. Listen, Jesus did with 12. We can work with 12. If we've got 12 that's ready to do the work of the Lord, then the 12 is what we will work with. You're doing me no favors because you're not serving me. So I don't know why I'm all mad and all out here, but God is up to something and I'm available to him. So let me finally close this up as you get ready to leave. And I pray that this will be a blessing to you in this message. The text says, and I want you to listen carefully. We've said that the three qualities that you need to have as followers of Jesus Christ is grace. And we said there's never ever a reason for you to be mean and unkind to people. So you want to exercise grace. For how you treat those of the household of faith, others will know that you are in fact Jesus' disciples. Secondly, you want to be available. Right? Not on your timetable, on God's timetable. Right? Listen, what do I say? You all know this. Right? If there's, only, if there's only Eve or no Eve in the worship service, when we're getting ready to start, me and Ken will start the worship. We're going to start it. Why? Because we respect those who took the time to be here on time. 
So availability is major if you want to call yourself a follower of Christ. I hope this is getting to you. The third and the final thing is discernment. Not everyone can go with you when God is doing something in your life. Now, it doesn't mean that you kick everybody out. It means that you wait on the Holy Spirit to give you direction. Here's what I want to say. Hear me carefully. I told you that Peter was probably told that Dorcas had died, which is why the text says they had to implore him. Peter was like, why y'all need me to go? You see, but I believe that Peter heard a word from the Lord. And so when things don't make any sense and God gives you a word, you go. I don't know what God is going to do here right now, but you go. I have no idea what God wants me to do. Maybe I'm going there to comfort the family in this time of grief. I don't know. Maybe raising the dead was not what was on Peter's mind. But one thing is for sure, whether Jesus wanted Peter to comfort the family or to raise the dead or to do whatever Peter needed to be where God wanted him to be. And that's what we mean by availability. And again, you must discern who is in your circle. Church, that is probably the most important part because anything that God wants to get to you, he is not going to be able to get it if you move in disobedience. Shake away some of some things you got to let go. So grace, availability, and discernment are the qualities you need. Now, now that we've got that clear, here's where the text gets its power. The text said, but Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her, hand, gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, pastor, show me something. You're going to see it. Remember I told you that after she had died, they washed her body and they laid it in an upper room. That's what the text says. But Peter, after evicting everybody out of the room, he had turned his back to Dorcas as he knelt and prayed. Now, the text says, as Peter now turned towards the body, he said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened up her eyes, and upon seeing Peter, she sat up. I don't think you see what happened yet. So let me help you. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, our heavenly father turned his back towards him. This is the reason why, this is the reason why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what Jesus said, because the father had turned his back on Jesus. Now, after he had died and he gave up the ghost and he had died, they tell us that they took his body down and they prepared it and laid it in a tomb. In the same way, they washed Dorcas's body and they laid it out in the upper room. They laid Jesus now into this tomb that he had borrowed. But, but, but when, they, when God realized that, that Jesus had already paid it all and that all to him we owe the Bible now gives us the image that the Father, our Heavenly Father, turns now towards Jesus the Christ. He turns his gaze and his face towards him. And, 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 and it's at that moment, in the same way that Peter turned, that as Dorcas rose, Jesus the Christ rose up. He got up. He sat up. And he was presented alive to everyone who believes. 
want you to see the majesty of the Christ. I want you to see that, 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 that the simple story of this gentle disciple from Joppa named Tabitha who died an untimely and the wrong kind of death lets us now see how we are to live a resurrected life. Brothers and my sisters, the text is true. The mystery here is that many of us here are laying in our own tombs. And, and that's why, and this is the reason why, this is the reason why we always say, while you come to worship services, don't ever leave before the benediction. You see, if you, if you remember, when I stand here oftentimes and I pray a blessing over the church, what do I say? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance towards you. What I'm telling you now is that after all you have heard in the worship experience, you now need God to turn his face towards you and to look at you. For when he sees you, he sees his son and you receive the blessing of God to go and to do the work and to live what I have called this message, the resurrected life. You want to come here because the world is after your heart. The world is after you and the flesh is really, really strong. And without the Lord, without God, with his face shining towards you, you cannot make it. So, Amen. the text says, Amen. <laughs> it became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Tabitha's story, Dorcas's story, needs to be all of our story. Despite what unexpected surprises may impact your life, you need to know that your Heavenly Father will always turn His face towards you and to be gracious unto you so long as you confess Jesus Christ and become a true follower of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, just to make sure that you're all crystal clear, you miss the blessing of God when you are unavailable. God is in the blessing business in every house of worship that calls on the name of Jesus. Many of us have no idea whether or not this is the last Sunday you're going to hear a message preached. You have no idea. And so the truth of the matter is, while we may not know what's in store for us, we know who controls tomorrow. We know who controls it all. And I don't want to face tomorrow without living a resurrected life.